So mm-hmm. my parents didn't believe me for a long, long time. And that was really, really hard. And, and so when your parents don't believe you and your doctors don't believe you, you know, you really do start to feel like you're crazy. And I am crazy just for the record, but I wasn't (laughs) crazy. I wasn't crazy in that way. Like something was actually wrong with me. Welcome back to Social Soul Podcast. My name's Jess. And I'm Haley. And we're bringing on a special guest today. We think you guys are going to love her. If you are somebody who is like living with chronic illness, or maybe you're looking to turn turn your social media or your experiences into a business. This is going to be such a valuable episode for you guys. So let's dive in. All right. On the podcast today, we have Katie DePola. She is the CEO of Inner Glow Circle, the author of At Least You Look Good, a mindset expert, and a Lyme disease survivor. Katie, welcome and thank you for being here today with us. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm really excited. Super excited to have you. I want to kind of let you start off by doing a little introduction of yourself. Sure. So, like you said, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Inner Glow Circle. We do trainings and certifications for women entrepreneurs and those who identify as women and those who feel safer or more comfortable in women-led spaces. And our focus is really helping people find their purpose and then get paid to live it. So, when people come into our world, it's usually because they've been doing a lot of deep personal work. They've realized, wow, you know, I have such a bigger purpose in this life or I, I think I, I must have a bigger purpose. And often that's because of what they've gone through or what they've overcome or just their insights about life. And so we're really a partner to people who are at that point in their journey. Yes, we love that. I first heard about Inner Glow Circle actually from my business coach who took your certification. And I just think that the whole concept and idea is amazing. I follow you guys on Instagram and just love everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. So Katie, that's actually how I found you too, was through Haley's business coach, Chelsea. Um, I had seen your like book cover on Instagram from people sharing it. And I didn't exactly even know that you had Lyme disease. And like I had just seen the cover and then Chelsea shared a picture of it to her Instagram story. And I was following Chelsea, obviously, because of Haley. And I was like, and then I clicked on it and I started looking at all of your stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, she has Lyme Lyme disease, too. Like, this is amazing. And then I started following you. It's just kind of funny how how small the world is sometimes. Yeah, such a big connection. I remember when we all kind of synced up too. I mean, chronic illness is huge. I know we're going to talk more about it. And um, it doesn't just go away. So it's really important to have people who get it because a lot of the world does not get it. Yep, definitely relate to that. I'm thankful that I have Haley who doesn't have chronic illness but somehow understands it all. I don't know how I got so lucky with her as a best friend, I will say. Um, let's start off by, 
Yeah, let's start off a little bit just talking about your journey through Lyme in general. Um, A lot of the people listening to this podcast are people going through the battle with Lyme disease. So that's definitely something I want to highlight. I'm curious, like if you want to talk about like how, you know, how you got diagnosed a little bit, you don't have to share everything because I know a lot of it's in your book, which we want people to go buy your book after this and read it. But you can give us a little rundown of, you know, what you were experiencing, what led you to diagnosis, maybe, you know, like what treatments you tried, those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, I just had a myriad of symptoms. For me, the biggest thing was brain fog and then just kind of achiness, right? So it was like totally those symptoms that doctors can't place. And I talk about this in the book, but I just went from doctor to doctor. I ended up seeing like over 30 doctors trying to get a diagnosis and, you know, I don't know if I like believe in silver linings necessarily. I mean, I I wrestle with that kind of stuff, but the subtitle of my book, so my book is at least you look good. And then it's learning to glow through what you go through. And so, you know, I wrestle with this idea in the book of like a silver lining, like, is there a silver lining in difficult situations or is it just like, you know, we make the best of things. Um, But what I really believe what I've come to believe is that there's this concept that I call the glow in the dark, which I say is more than the silver lining. It's like the opportunity on the other side of the pain that's so juicy and so big and so beautiful that it ends up in your brain making sense. Like the pain and everything you went through ends up making sense, right? And so it could be like um, building a business, building a business as much as people market it online as being easy. It's not easy. It's a, it comes with a lot of challenges and you have to have a lot of resilience to build a business. Right. And so maybe it's building a business where you work really hard and it feels very uphill. And then there's a point where it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit easier. Not that you're coasting, but it's getting easier and you're seeing why you kind of walked through those, uh, you know, trenches. And then the same can be said for like pain or illness or loss or anything that we've gone through in our lives. And that's why, you know, in the work that we do, we're so passionate about how helping people find their purpose and then get paid because there's something really magical that happens when women get to get compensated for telling their story, for literally having gone through hard things and not to like totally, you know, take control of the conversation, go off on a tangent, but there's this whole field of psychology called PTG, which is post-traumatic growth. And the, the, the philosophy or the hypothesis or the, what the research, you know, is starting to say is that we grow the, the, we grow to our capacity when we experience trauma, when we experience pain. And so, you know, I'm so fascinated by like studying resilience and and observing people being resilient and in myself um, fostering and nurturing resilience. But I think that's really the baseline of all of this is learning to glow through what we go through and, and making meaning that moves us forward in a positive way when life throws us 
limes or lemons or whatever you want to call it. I 100% can relate to that. I can say that like when I first did get sick, I, you know, was very much like, why the hell is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I just felt like every part of my life was being destroyed as fast as possible, at least everything that I like created so far for myself. Um, And it wasn't until, you know, three years into it that I finally was like, okay, like, yeah, a lot of shit got destroyed in my life, but there's a lot of good that actually came from this terribly hard transition that I went through. And so I like how you were mentioning the silver linings and all of that because it is hard to see at first and in the moment when you're going through that terrible moment. But if you can learn or eventually get to the point where you can see the benefit that comes from that, that is a really special thing. And I love that you created a business around, you know, helping people who did go through terrible situations or traumatic experiences or just life lessons in general and helping them earn money and get cons. Con- well, I can't even say that word. Compensated. Compensated for it. Um, because, because like that's something that like I'm personally, you know, going through right now is I'm like I have there's so much power in sharing my story and sharing what I went through. Like this is I feel like my new purpose in life. And so I'm trying to like use that as my career now going forward. So thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. And it's yeah. really relatable for me too. just I stopped drinking alcohol a couple of years ago and, you know, it's funny how things have evolved over time for me to really show me that, that that is something that I can use to help serve other people and, Mm. and to make income with. So I think that it's really relatable, just what you're talking about with where both Jessica and I are at in our lives too. Yeah. Love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, I know you said that you saw like multiple doctors. Um, do you want to share like the doctor that actually told you that you had Lyme or how that went down? I think the doctor who told me I had Lyme was me because I had done so much. <laughs> I love that. At this point that, you know, I mean, look, I had, I was undiagnosed and untreated for 10 years. So I'm like a, a, you know, feisty person who likes to solve problems. And, you know, I, I like to do puzzles, like literally and figuratively. And so my health was like this massive puzzle. Like I just could not figure it out. And I went through all those sort of basic, but, you know, if you know a health journey, not basic things like eliminating dairy and gluten and starting acupuncture when I was 18. And like, you know, I grew up in like a very, like in a family that was very, very traditional when it came to medicine. And also like, even so didn't really like believe when you were sick, like it was just kind of like, you're fine, go to school. So Mm -hmm. my parents didn't believe me for a long, long time. And that was really, really hard. And, and so when your parents don't believe you and your doctors don't believe you, you know, you really do start to feel like you're crazy. And I am crazy just for the record, but I wasn't (laughs) crazy. I wasn't crazy in that way. Like something was actually wrong with me. And so it got to the point where I was doing so much research and ruling things out and staying up late, Googling this and Googling that. And what if I Google this with that? And what about this? And this is so weird, but like the thing that kind of set me off on a research pathway was that I had found 
I kept testing positive for syphilis. And mm-hmm. I was like, and then I would take the second test and like, I, do, I did not have syphilis, but like this was happening over a span of years to the point where like I would, I was moving a lot. I was in college and then I moved to New York city and then I moved home. And every time I went and saw a new gynecologist, they'd call me with like this, like, you know, basically like, uh, this like voice of terror on the phone. Like you need to call us back. We got your test results. And I'm like, Oh God, here we go again with like the syphilis scare. So I have a whole chapter in my book about this because I was going to beach week, my senior year of college. Um, I don't know if, if either of you saw this part, but like I was going to beach week my senior year of college and I get, I'm in a, in a car with a bunch of girls and we're like blasting Rihanna or something. And I get a phone call and they're like, um, Hey, it's like so-and-so from Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Cause I had gotten a bunch of my girlfriends to go get tested at Planned Parenthood after seeing this flyer in my women's studies class. And of course I was convinced that they were all going to have something I wasn't right. So I was in this like super judgy mode and whatever, long story short, I got a call because they thought I had syphilis. And then I kept getting these calls over the years. Well, I go down this research pathway and look, this is like a long and drawn out story already, but here's why I'm telling you this and I'll tell you what happened. But the reason I'm sharing this with you guys and with our listeners is because you have to be your biggest advocate when it comes to your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, anything, your business, like your relationships, like no one is going to do the work for you. You might get a clue right here and a clue here and you take a class and you get a clue and you read a book and you get a clue. But at the end of the day, no one is going to like be the uh, number one person who's responsible for solving the problems and the challenges and the questions in your life. It has to be you. And I was one of those people that thought that like doctors were supposed to have all the answers. And we are taught that. And I'm not saying like the medical community gets a free pass. I don't believe that at all. But I also don't believe we get a free pass. Like we have to be willing to look deeper and to like Google. Like I'm so that annoying, you know, patient that like thinks I can outsmart the doctor. I think we should all be like that, you know, and and do research. So I start researching false positive for syphilis. Long story short, after reading multiple medical articles, I find some research saying that often a false positive for syphilis is Lyme disease because the bacteria is very similar. And I don't want to get all scientific, but like that was how I started thinking, oh my God, maybe I have Lyme. And I started to kind of, you know, fact check and look at like my symptoms and read stories. And um, I went to my doctor, my like general doctor and was like, hey, can you test me for Lyme disease? They did. And I was positive. That was how simple it ended up being. I asked for a blood test. So like when I hear my friends or I feel like so many people deal with chronic illness or like now I'm at that age where like all my friends are doing like fertility testing or like, you know, just because a doctor doesn't recommend something doesn't mean you can't ask for it. So we got to be responsible for asking. So it's crazy to me that you mentioned the, the whole syphilis thing because I've, you know, I've heard that the Lyme bacteria is very similar to the syphilis bacteria in like the shape and scientific ways of it. Yeah. But I've never actually heard of somebody having a false positive for syphilis until I read your book and read that. And I was like, that makes so much sense. I don't know if I've just only never heard of it because people probably 
that's not the first thing they want to share is right. having syphilis scares. Exactly. Right. Like I'm sure that's not the hot topic they want to start with when they talk about Lyme disease. But I just am so grateful that you shared that because, because I've always heard that connection to the syphilis bacteria. So thank you. Dude, it's super sexy. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Honestly, the story in your book where you were talking about going on the beach trip after you had seen the flyer and gone to Planned Parenthood and got the syphilis <laughs> test or whatever, the STD test, and then it coming back positive on your beach vacation, that it's just it would be horrible. I would have been mortified. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine that feeling being on that trip with all of your friends and getting that news and just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> it sucked so bad. Like when I say it sucked so bad, I mean, it really like sucked, right? But mm-hmm. like, well, this is my mindset. And you could so say that I'm delusional. I mean, I have to be to some extent, but like, now I'm like, okay, like if I can tell this story and if I can make people laugh and if I can educate then F, like, it doesn't matter that I had a shitty beach week. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. I remember one time, and I, I, t- I say this in the book too, but when I was going through all that nasty, nasty stuff with my ex-fiance, I called my lawyer and I was all, like, weepy. And I'm like, why am I going through this? Because, like, you know, I'm a spiritual person and, like, there has to be a reason for everything. Like, not. Some shit just happens. But I call my lawyer and, and he had – you know, become sort of a mentor to me, even though he was just my lawyer. And he's like, Katie, just like cut it out. Like you're going to make millions from this. Like, and I was like, how? And he's like, I don't know, a book or a movie. And like, you know, he was just like this old guy lawyer, like, you know, sorry if he hears this, he's going to be like offended. But no, but he was like so awesome. Like he was like this father figure slash, you know, mentor, whatever to me that was like sort of speaking truth. You know, when like you're, you're in a random situation and someone says something to you and it's so poignant and you're like, oh my God, that was like, God just spoke to me through like the cashier at Whole Foods or whatever. That's how I felt. I was like, oh my God. But I also took that and ran with it. Like I have, I am so motivated because I look for evidence that I'm going to be successful, that I'm going to overcome, that I'm going to be an example because I know, I know, I know people's stories. I know through my doctor, I see other patients when I'm at the office for check-ins, I look on the internet, I read chronic illness hashtags or Lyme disease, people are suffering. So if I'm suffering way, 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 way less to the point that I can barely remember, and if I really sit there and and, and go there, I can, and it, it it's like so emotional for me. But if I, I can barely remember what it feels like to be so sick, and that's like so incredible. Because when I was so sick, I could barely remember what it was like to be healthy. And so it's important for me to tell these stories. It's important for all of us to tell these stories because there's so many people that are so sick and they can't remember what it ever felt like to be healthy. In fact, maybe they never even have experienced it because they were born with it or whatever. But I'm not here to say every disease ever can be cured, but I think that we can feel better than there's a range for us. Right. And that by eliminating toxins and eating healthy and doing our own due diligence and questioning our doctors 
and doing our own research and essentially becoming our own healers. Yes, but our own like like doctors, really. Not that they're different, but they kind of are different. We can have better lives than the doctor or the you know the person who's diagnosing us or the article online says that we can. Being your own advocate when you're struggling with illness and trying to figure out what the hell is going on with you is so important. And I had no idea that that's what I was going to have to do when I got mm-hmm. sick. And like people don't know that. Like like you said, we're taught to just trust doctors. And I remember when I first started going to doctors, I, you know, every appointment I walked into, I'm like, okay, this doctor is going to, you know, have my answers. And every appointment I would leave, I'm like, I'm so much more fucking confused now. And that doctor knows nothing that's going on in my life. And I like how you said that you asked your doctor for the test because it got to the point for me too, where I was literally doing my own research at night, you know, between my appointments because doctors were just looking at me like I was an alien or like I was just the most emotional woman on planet earth that they didn't know what to do with. And I got to the point too, where I was like, okay, this is the test that I want to have done. Can you give it to me? And they would be like, Mm -hmm. they would still look at me like I was crazy, but they would give it to me because they can't really say no if you're asking for it. And so that's really what I had to start doing too, to finally start putting the pieces together. And yeah, I think doctors are great in a lot of capacities, but I do feel like I did figure out my story a lot on my own and with the help of people as, like such as yourself that share their journeys like so publicly. Kind of crazy how that works. I mean, H- Haley was talking a little bit about like recovery. I don't know exactly how you identify, but like not drinking, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like just to make a connection, I think that's another area where like the world says it's okay to drink, you know? (laughs) And like I'm someone who drinks a little bit, but not a lot, mostly for health reasons, but also because I'm a wild child. And so we don't, the world doesn't need to see all that, right? (laughs) Also, there's addiction in my family. My brother died from an accidental drug overdose. I've got questions, you know, I mean like whatever, right? Like I like drinking but I also don't like it. So it's it's this like weird relationship. The reality though is like most people like will drink and then the next morning be like, I'm never drinking again, yep. which means they have a weird relationship with it. And so whether it's substances or it's illness or with whatever, like just because you see this shit on commercials or on Instagram or, and I'm not saying I never post about this stuff, so I'm not like preaching in that kind of way, but I'm just saying to question everything and question it for yourself. Like you have to, just because the world says something or a doctor says it's okay, or, you know, doesn't mean that that's going to be the best response, like that your body's going to have the best response to it. And so it's so important to pay attention, pay attention to how your body feels when you're drinking, pay attention to how your body feels when you eat that thing, you know, really be listening. I don't think most people slow down enough to be in tune. Yeah. I definitely didn't slow down enough to be in tune until I was forced to slow down. I don't know about anybody else here, but like I literally would have probably just been living my life still in a very unhealthy way if my immune system wouldn't have completely crashed on me and forced me to like get my shit together. 
which is sad because I feel like that's why I try to share things so publicly now is I'm like, I don't want anybody else to have to completely crash before they realize that they can be in tune with their body and figure out what is good and what's bad for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so powerful too. And the same for me with drinking, it's like, I never went to rehab and I don't really identify with being an alcoholic, but I did have a weird relationship with alcohol. So me sharing like those challenging pieces, it helps other people kind of connect the dots and figure out what it is that might feel best for them. So I think just through sharing, we can raise awareness and help people kind of question those norms that we're so used to. You know what the hardest thing, I I really appreciate what you're saying. I don't know why I want to talk about this, but you know what the hardest thing was for me and sometimes still is to this day, even though I like am very open and am a bit older than I was when I started this journey is like the, the peer pressure or their, their, the perceived peer pressure and this idea that you're like missing out on something. And like, I just think Mm -hmm. it's so important to say, I mean, one, the two of you living life the way you want to live it is so great. And it's such a great accountability for each other. And it's such a great accountability for your community and your audiences and the people who listen to you. Um, But also like, it's just so important that we all know and recognize that we get to do whatever we want, however we want to do it. And this idea that we're not going to fit in or they're, you know, everyone's doing it this other way, or there really are these, like, this is what's so fascinating about the internet, even though I like think social media can be so frustrating at times. It's also so incredible because you are fine. You can now find these like pockets of people via like groups or hashtags or whatever that are going through what you're going through and that are glowing through what you're going through, you know? So mm-hmm. you're not alone. And it's so important. I always tell clients like your intuition about you is so much stronger than my intuition about you. I'm incredibly intuitive. You know, a lot of people say I'm very psychic, like call it what you want to call it. Your intuition about you is stronger and is more, um, is, is more important to listen to because you are your own biggest guide and biggest healer. And it's just entrusting ourselves. But the only way we can start to do that is if we put less importance on like the noise, right? And sometimes the noise is like your family or like your best friends, or that doesn't mean you you don't have to have a relationship with them or that they're like quote unquote toxic, but it means that listening to you is the most important act of self-love. And a lot of people really struggle with that too. Um, and, you know, like realizing that, yeah, you're, yeah, you love your family. Yeah, you love your friends. But sometimes you do really have to realize that you need to listen to yourself over you listening to like what they say. For like, for example, um, you know, like my relatives, my relatives have questioned many things that I've done in life. And I've had to be strong enough to, remind myself, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing it for them. They might not see it that way. They might think it's a mistake in my life, but ultimately, like, I know it's the right decision. And that's really hard to do when you have these people in your life that you want to please and you want to keep them happy too, just as much as you want to keep yourself happy. Sure. Totally. Um, I definitely want to talk about 
you know, how you started the inner glow circle and everything. Um, I know you were, you know, struggling with Lyme at the time that you started it, correct? Mm-hmm. So like that is just amazing to me. Um, I feel like I've tried s- many different business ventures in the middle of having <laughs> this illness and it's just like so crazy. But the one thing that stuck out to me that you, I feel like you say often is you can make money from bed. And I think that's such like a good line to say because a lot of people with chronic illness just think, you know, oh, I'll never be able to have a career. I'll never be able to make anything successful happen for me in life because I have to spend so much of my time, you know, down and out and resting because of this illness. But you really like proved, oh, it's possible. So I I definitely want to talk about that. So how did like how did you come up with the thought for Inner Glow Circle and how did you get it started? So it was 2014 when I kind of started dreaming it. I had been coaching in my private practice for a few years and I had done well. Like I was making money and I was really proud of myself for making money. Um, I was, you know, working three jobs at the time. So I I was working a full-time job in marketing. I was doing my private coaching practice. And I also had a beauty business on the side, which was a spray tanning business that I had started. And spray tanning led me to coaching for some funny reasons that I talk about in the book um, involving talking to naked women about their goals and dreams (laughs) and problems. But I go into that. so amazing. Yeah, I go into that. It's fun. Um, But then, you know, I just really started to think that if I wanted to make the impact I wanted to make, I was going to have to scale the business. Like as much as I loved coaching and as great as I was as a coach and having a private practice, I needed a way to impact more people faster. And so it was really a response to that. I think the best way to start a business is to respond to a problem and to solve a problem. And if you're solving a problem that you know people people have, that you have data around, then you automatically have a market. I think one of the mistakes people make is they're like, oh, this is a fun thing, but they haven't really done market research. So I had years of market research from having my private practice. I had years of people who had been paying me to help them become happier, create lives that they loved more. And what started happening was that a lot of my clients were coming to me and they were saying, Katie, um, I don't know if this is like weird to say, but like, I actually think that I want to do what you do. And like, I don't want to compete with you, but like, I want to be a coach too. And I was like, okay. And so it sort of was born out of that. Like I just was responding to what I was hearing. And I think again, that requires so much self-trust. And I, yeah, I was really in this phase of my life where I was learning to trust myself and learning to trust the nudges, whether it be around my health and figuring out and getting to the bottom of what was really wrong or starting a business and what business to start. I I was 
really working hard to figure out what the F I wanted to do with my life and what I was meant to be doing with my life. And, you know, I went through these different things. I started grad school. I started my spray tanning business within like a few weeks of each other. I then became fascinated with coaching. I dropped out of grad school because to be honest, it was like too hard for me with the brain fog. I didn't know I had Lyme at the time. But so I had all these different things going. I was like, you know, working all these different things to try to get to the bottom of what does Katie want? Like what lights Katie up? And so for all of you who are out there who are like, you know, I don't know what I want and I don't even feel that good. And how do I, God, you can't give up. Number one, you have to take giving up off the table. That's one of my five rules of life that I talk about right in the beginning of my book. And you have to really look for the breadcrumbs and then follow them. So when you find something that lights you up a tiny, tiny bit, you have to keep following it and let that take you to the next step. So IGC was truly a response to me listening to what the market wanted, what the women who I was meeting needed to be happy. That is extremely useful for so many people because it is so hard to not give up on, you know, not just for people with chronic illness, everybody in general struggles with that so much and struggles with finding like their true path in life. And, you know, you know, they might try one thing and then be like, okay, well that didn't work out. So I should just give up. But it's like, no, maybe that just wasn't the right thing for you. Yeah. This is why, like, I just think resilience is so important and I'm so fascinated by it. And this is kind of the thing that I'm like researching and, uh, learning about now is like what makes us more resilient, resilient with our health, resilient in our relationships, resilient in our businesses. I mean, the, the, the detriment of social media is that it makes it look easy sometimes, which is Mm -hmm. a total, total lie. And not only is it a lie, it's incredibly harmful because it's like, it's such a bad lie. (laughs) You know, it's not that like, it's, it's not easy. It's that it's really hard. Life is hard. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of challenges. And so if you think that life is easy and everything should be easy, then why in the world would you try to be resilient? You would just give up. You would say, you know what? This isn't meant for me. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm not cut out for this, da, 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 da. And I do in some ways believe in like the alignment conversation that like, you know, we have to pay attention of like, okay, if something's like really, really hard and you hate it, then maybe like switch it up. But I cannot tell you guys how many times I've thought about throwing in the towel on my business or my life or like all of it. And I'm just an incredibly honest person, which like turns a lot of people off, but sorry, someone's got to be honest. (laughs) Well, it's nice to hear that for sure, especially for people who are starting out new business ventures or maybe they're pursuing different careers. I think that it's very important for people to hear this message. 
we have a multi-million dollar business. I mean, I've done very well for myself. We've done very well. We've employed many, many people. Like we have a huge affiliate network. We have hundreds and hundreds of students, like graduated like 600 students or something. And you know, coached and, and supported thousands of people. It's not easy. It's not easy. And then you mix life into it. And, and so, you know, my point is that I think that like, we have to stay awake. We have to stay alive. Our energy is a really, really important resource. I teach this thing in IGC that's called melts. And the idea is that we have five main resources, money, energy, love, time, and space, money, energy, love, time, and space. And that we often get mixed up here because we think that money's our only resource, or we think that time and money are our only resources, but that's not true at all. We have all of these resources, money, energy, love, time, and space. And I'm sure you could think of others, but to me, these are the main ones. And so... A lot of people don't have money, but they have time or they don't have time, but they have money. Or if you start to talk about like chronic illness or healing or things like that, energy is a resource that's really um, nuanced. And some days you have a lot and some days you have a little. And so I've really played with these things. And for me, like, you know, there's like the spoon theory and all these different things. And like, for me, I just really try to pay attention to when I have more of a resource, whatever it be, that I'm utilizing it to create more of the other resources. I'm not wasteful. I think that's really important. And I pay a lot of attention to my energy, you know, as a resource. Love is another one. If you have, I've had times in my life where I felt like I had no love. When I lost my brother, when my fiance and I broke up, when the company was like, I was fighting to get ownership back from my ex, like, cause he had convinced me to give him part of the, co- it was so wild. And I felt like I didn't have any love in my life. Right. But that wasn't actually true. And I found the places where I did have it. So I think that it's important that we realize what resources we, we have and that we think a little bit outside the box. Because if all we ever think about is time or money or energy, those things can easily be depleted. But if we expand it a little bit, we can look at what else we might have in each moment. That's something that I've never thought about. Like that is amazing. And I'm definitely going to try to start implementing that because like you said, some days I do have energy, some days I don't. There's months where I have more money and there's months where I have less money. And it's really good to be able to look at all of those different aspects and be like, okay, you know, I might have less money this month than I had last month, but I might have more free time, you know, instead of the more money. So like, how can I utilize that to keep going? Love it. Do you want to talk about um well I I want to talk about so I'm sure you want to talk about I want to talk about your I want to talk about your book just in general. Um I read the book, Kaylee's read the book. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I'm super interested on like when you decided that you were going to write a book. Like I don't know. I feel like that I see so many people coming out with books and I'm just I, for me personally, I'm like, I would love to write a book someday, but I'm just like, I can't even think about that right now. <laughs> I just feel so overwhelmed by the thought of it. 
And so I really wanted to talk to you about like what, how did, I guess, how did that process start? Oh, I mean, the real thing that kicked it off, which I tell the story in my book was when my psychic Karen was like, the first time I talked to her, it was the first time I talked to a psychic ever. And she was like channeling my aunt who had passed on and was on the other side and all these like really wild things that felt really wild to me at the time. And she was like, are you a writer? Like, Oh honey, you have, you have many books in you or something like that. My gosh. I just exploded in tears. You guys, I just like, literally, I remember I started crying and I was like snotting and I was like, just totally like having this emotional detox release where it was like, Oh my God, I feel so seen. Like I just felt so seen because there was this, this person who was like a human and could speak to my sort of non-human side and my dreamer side. And you know, I come from a great family, but I come from a family that's very much like, you know, you work for the family business or like you do a really traditional thing. And I, I was out of the box for sure in my family. And um, it's not so much that way anymore because I think my family really sort of needed my weirdness and and uniqueness to navigate the loss of my brother and come to a spiritual understanding of things. But at the time I was in my early twenties and I felt like such a weirdo. I didn't come from a family where like people were artists, which is what I would say a writer is, you know, essentially. And that wasn't celebrated at all. So when Karen saw me like that, I felt so acknowledged So I think like just having someone else see something in you, see a gift in you is like really beautiful and really powerful. And then I started nurturing that gift. That's really what happened. Um, And so I started writing. I started writing a lot more consistently. Now I'm someone who has journaled my whole life, but there's a difference between like journaling and like sort of actively writing. And I started, um, gosh, I guess around the same time, I had started going through the book, The Artist's Way and doing like the morning pages, which I talk about that practice in my book as well, which is just writing three pages a day long, long, like by hand. And I still like pretty religiously do that. So it was two things. It was one being acknowledged that like this was a gift inside of me, something that I needed to pay attention to. And then two, taking responsibility and saying, okay, Katie, Karen, this like random psychic, who's like not random anymore. Now we text, but Karen, (laughs) this like random psychic that you, you know, your friend told you, you should talk to says you're a writer. If you also think you're a writer, start writing, start writing and start writing way more consistently. Like that's, so important that we foster our desires, we foster our gifts. So for me now, like, it's so funny to have this conversation with you all because you're asking me questions, great questions, but questions about things that were almost 10 years ago now, right? Or (laughs) five years ago. And it's worth mentioning that like, it took me 
five years to really write and share some of the crazy things that happened. It's 2021. I got diagnosed with Lyme in 2014. My brother passed away from an overdose in 2015. My ex, I I was engaged. She gave me a seven carat diamond ring. You know, I thought I was a princess. (laughs) Well, (laughs) shit hit the fan. I mean, shit hit the fan and y'all can read the book for that part. But, you know, that was at the end of 2015 as well. So it's been more than five years. And so I think it's just like important, like there's so much like uh, pressure to like write content and like tell your story and like produce, produce, produce. And I think some of that's important. I was always sharing bits here and there, but I was also behind the scenes writing. And what I ended up doing was taking my journal entries and things I had written over the years. And like, I had kind of started a book here, kind of started another book and I pulled them all together and it became this body of work. And now I've started to create my legacy, you know? And I think that thinking about not just what do you want to post online, but what do you want to create as like a body of work or a legacy for your life is important. Honestly, that's so refreshing to hear because I think about like the book writing process and I'm like, what does somebody just like wake up one day and they're like, I'm going to write a book. And they just like go sit in an office and write out their book for the next four months of their life. And I'm like, how do they do this? And so so then I, (laughs) yeah, because like there's been times where like, I've obviously thought about doing it at some point. And so I'll sit down and I'll write a little bit that day. And then I don't write again for like, you know, a couple weeks. And then I sit down and I write a little bit again. So like you saying that you, you know, had your journal entries and like little parts here and there that you kind of all ended up bringing together and making your book is inspiring because it's like, that seems feasible. You know what I mean? Like, and then how long it took you. I think of people writing a book in like a few months, just, I mean, realistically, I'm sure nobody writes a book in a few months, but it's just, I have literally no knowledge of how people write a book. So this is just so interesting to me. Yeah. I do think it's really powerful too, that you mentioned that this is something that did take so much of your time and it did happen over the span of five years, because I definitely agree with you that there is this pressure to produce. And it's like, you can kind of see on social media, what other people are doing. And then you have these like big dreams for your life and these big goals and you start to feel behind. So I love that you shared that bit of your story. Yeah. I hate it so much. I love it. (laughs) I'm very fortunate about social media. Yeah. It's like a love hate for both of us as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) I get so in my head about it sometimes. Like there's days where I'm totally feeling confident in social media. And I'm like, all right, yeah, like this is a good like day for me to produce content. And then the next day I'm like, I want nothing to do with social media today. <laughs> Fuck this. Like, <laughs> That's so normal. And, and it's really, I, I appreciate that you said that. And I think it's just so important for all of us to know that that's how it is. Like some days you're into it. Some, day, some days you are like so not into it. That's like life. Some days you're yeah. like, you want to talk to your friends. Some days you don't want to talk to your friends. Sometimes you like want to eat healthy. Some days you don't want to eat healthy. And like, yep. you know, social media is this really new thing in society. We haven't quite figured out like the long-term impact of it. No one knows what they're doing. There's tons of people trying to advise us 
But like, I was just thinking the other day, this is maybe so weird, but I was just thinking the other day, like, there's going to be like mental illnesses that become like actually diagnosable based on social media. Yeah. You know, like, you know, there's like social anxiety. Well, Mm -hmm. there's going to be like social media anxiety. Maybe there already is, but I'm like, this is like a real thing. And I privately talk to people all the time, friends, you know, I stay in touch with a lot of our graduates who like are, have done really well. And don't get me wrong. Like social media is a beautiful thing. It allows us to stay in touch with people that we maybe wouldn't. We meet people that we maybe wouldn't. We met, right? Like I, we met Mm -hmm. each other through social media. So I'm not knocking it. It's important that we utilize it. It's important that we have a relationship with it. But it's like food. You can't like not eat. You have to just develop a healthier relationship with it. And that Mm -hmm. is a challenge. And like, you know, humans have been eating food since like, I don't know, since, since, I don't know, since they existed, (laughs) right? But like, this is what I'm saying. Like social media is a new thing. So whereas like people study eating disorders, like this, we have lots and lots of data and solutions and even medications and then alternative therapies. Like it's really important to understand that your feelings about social media and your relationship with social media is not like just because you're a freak and something's wrong with you and everyone else is so normal about it. No, everyone's trying to figure this out. Everyone is trying to figure it out. And the big dogs who you're like, oh, but not like that person, those (laughs) people are comparing themselves to the other big dogs. Or they're like going through the same thing where they're like, okay, I'm like putting all this content out, but like it doesn't feel, there's something that's still missing because we're connecting with humans, but we're not getting a lot of what we, what our brains psychologically want to get from connection. So not to go down this whole other pathway, I'm known for just opening so many tabs, but like (laughs) the point is that whatever you're feeling, acknowledge it. And sure, play, you know, play with play with the thing, but have it be a space where you play more than you bring so much pressure. I love that. Play over pressure. It's perfect. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of social media, um actually before I roll into this, I just you made me think of one thing talking about social media stuff. Um when you were talking about how like m- mental illnesses might start being diagnosed or like revolved around social media I was thinking a lot of like comparison trap you know Mm -hmm. like yeah there obviously comparison was already a thing before social media but you only experienced it so often right when you would like run into somebody from high school at the grocery store that you haven't seen in 10 years and you're like oh what are you doing with your life and they're like I run a business and do all these things and you're just like oh I wish I was doing that but it's like now you see that online every day when you wake up of every single person you went to high school with. You know what I mean? Like the comparisons just happening so much more frequently. So I could, I can definitely see comparison, um, comparison just turning into something like that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, what I was going to say is, um, we're going to start wrapping this up, but I was wanting you to kind of let 
listeners know where they can follow you, um, you know, obviously what your Instagram handle is and how they can sign up for your coaching if they want to sign up for Inner Glow Circle and obviously where they can buy your book. Yeah. So come follow me on the interwebs. I promise not to give you any more social media anxiety than you already have. (laughs) Um, No. So I am at It's Katie DePaula and our company is at Inner Glow Circle and we both post a lot of inspirational stuff. I try to be as honest as possible. I really am committed to being a truth teller. I think we need more of that in the world. So come give me a follow and I'll give you a follow and let's hang out. Um, and then innerglowcircle.com is our website. I'm just trying to think. You can how let's do this. So if you go to innerglowcircle.com slash free chapters, you can get four chapters of my book, the first four chapters of my book for free. So that's a really fun, great thing to do. Innerglowcircle.com slash free chapters. And Yeah. We also have a lot of really great free trainings. Like right when you go to our website, it'll say like free trainings and like there's a bunch that you can choose from. So come hang out and come get as much knowledge as you can for free. That's what we're here for. Um, And then your book is, is it on Amazon too? The whole book? Yes. The whole book. If you want to get the whole book and even the physical (laughs) book, the best place to get it is Amazon. So it's just at least you look good where you can look up my name. Um, love the color of your book, by the way. I'm obsessed with teal. And Haley and I have this weird thing going on in our life where everything we come across t- that we feel connected to is the color teal. Really? It's and very yellow. strange. Yeah, like blue and yellow, it just seems to be the vibe. Like you should see her bookshelf. And like I don't have as many books as her, but like my books are most of them are teal or yellow. It's very weird. So that's kind of like when I saw your book, I was like, yep, got to read it. It's teal. I'm in. Same. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, though, like I loved your book. Um, I'm so glad I got to read it. I love following you on Instagram. So glad social media connected us. And I just really appreciate you willing to do this interview. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you both so much. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for the space that you hold. Um, And thank you for the community that you're continuing to build. It's really beautiful. It's really powerful. And it's really necessary. It is. And I'm glad that you are now a part of our community and we're a part of yours. Makes it even more special. Yay. (laughs) But thank you so much, Katie. We'll let you go. But um, I'm sure we're going to be talking to you real soon again. So, Thanks, ladies. 